0: Welcome to the June 14th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is John chapter 1 verses 35 through 42 and the sermon is entitled, The Ministry of Introduction, delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. We're working through the Gospel of John So I want you to take your Bible, turn with me to the first chapter of the Gospel of John. Yes, this is sermon number six, as we are going to go through the entirety of the book, and we're still in the first chapter, so I don't know how long it'll be, but we've got a few more sermons to go. Today is sermon number six, and the title of the sermon is The Ministry of Introductions. The Ministry of Introductions is where we're going to be centering our thoughts today. We're taking a step further in this journey through the Gospel of John. Now, this book of the Bible was one of the last books written in your New Testament. All of the books written in your New Testament basically are written within the first century of the history of Jesus Christ's birth through the birth of the church. So, all of the books of your Bible are within that first hundred years of the New Testament age. This one is one of the last books written. It was written by the old disciple John somewhere around 80 to 90 A.D., uh, some 50 years before he wrote his gospel. 50 years before he put pen to the paper, John had met Jesus. He had come to him as Lord and Savior. He had walked with him in ministry. He had seen his healings. He had heard his sermons. He had seen his miracles. He was even with him when he raised a little girl, Jairus' daughter, from the dead. He was right there to see that happen. So John has so many thoughts, so many memories, so many things that's percolating in his brain after 50 years walking with Jesus Christ. 50 years ago, can you imagine a half century of thinking about ministry with the Savior? John knew him as Messiah and friend. He stood at the foot of the cross. And he saw him die. He was one of the first people to stand at the mouth of an empty tomb and know that he was raised from the dead. So God directs John the disciple to write down this biography of Jesus, the Son of God, in the latter part of his life. John was an old man now. And in fact, all of his other disciple brothers were gone. They had passed away. Most of them had died a martyr's death. His brother James had died early on as a martyr. John lost his brother James within the very first few years after they began as disciples. So he was alone so much of his life. The old disciple had been able to think about and process and digest the presence of God on earth for 50 years. So John had come to the complete assurance. Now listen to this. John had come to the complete assurance that Jesus was not a prophet of God. John had come to the conclusion that Jesus was not a representative of God. He was not an emissary of God. He was not a heavenly witness of God. Jesus is God himself walking the soil of the earth. That's John's conclusion. That's the Bible's conclusion about who Jesus the Christ is, the Son of God, God the Son, walking the soil of the earth. And 50 years after meeting him as Savior and Lord, John writes chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. You're going to memorize this passage before this sermon series is over. John says, I wrote this gospel that you might believe him as I believe him, that you will believe him and know him as your Savior and as your Lord. So John writes this gospel as his witnessing tool to who Jesus is, offering him as Savior to the world. To anyone who will read his gospel, John is offering his Savior to the world through his gospel. Now, as the gospel opens... He introduces another John to us, John the Baptist. This morning, Gwen kind of planted a little seed with me to define John the Baptist. John the Baptist was not a member of the Southern Baptist Convention. John was John the Baptizer. John baptized people in recognition of their sorrow for sin. He's called John the Baptist because he was John the Baptizer. Now, from previous sermons, we remember that John the Baptist is the cousin and the forerunner of Jesus Christ walking the earth. John is the trailblazer who opens the way for Jesus to come and that people would recognize him as the Lord, as the Savior, and as God himself. Basically, John the Baptist had one sermon. He preached that all of us are sinners and that all of us need to be sorry and repentant for our sin before Almighty God. All of us need to be forgiven, but John brings us to a point of saying, yes, you are a sinner. You must recognize that you're a sinner. Friends, it is still true today. No one can be saved in Jesus Christ unless we acknowledge our sin before him. That's why he went to the cross to forgive us of our own personal life of sin. So we need to come before him and say, Lord, I am sorry. I repent. I want to turn around. I want to come to you. I want to walk away from my sin and toward you in repentance and sorrow for that which I have done against you. John the Baptist preached that message of sorrow for sin over and over again. And he baptized people. But his baptism was different than the baptisms that we see here. His baptism was a baptism simply in water to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I acknowledge before you that I'm a sinner. Lord, I come to you in repentance for what I have done against you. And then John says, now that you're convicted of your sin, I want you to know that there's one coming after me who can forgive you of your sin." I simply bring the message that you're a sinner and that I'm a sinner and we need to be sorry. But there's one coming after me, one whose shoes I am not worthy to untie. But he's coming after me and he has the power to forgive you and me of our sin. I can only call you to sorrow, but he can bring you to forgiveness. I'm blazing the trail for the Savior to come to you. So John says, I want to convict you, I want to convince you that you're a sinner, but Jesus is coming to save you. It's something I cannot do, but Jesus coming after me can. So John the Baptist's life was lived for one reason, to point To the Savior who was coming after him. He affirmed over and over again. I am not the Christ. I am not the Messiah. I am not the one who can forgive you. But I am sent as simply a voice in the wilderness. Calling out the name of Jesus. Pointing to the Savior who is coming to us. And you'll notice that John, quoting the prophet Isaiah, said, I am a voice. It doesn't matter what my name is. It doesn't matter that you remember me. It doesn't matter that you follow me. I am just a voice, but I'm a voice calling you to see the Savior who is coming to you. I'm not important. Let me decrease, but let him increase. He's the Savior. He's the one you need to know. So as a great preacher of repentance... John the Baptist Baptist had attracted his own followers. John the Baptist had what you would call disciples, students, followers of his own ministry, those who supported him, those who followed his work, those who heard his sermons. And one day in John the Baptist's ministry, while he was surrounded by some of his disciples or followers, in John chapter 1, verse 29, one day of his ministry, John the Baptist and some of his followers are together. And in the distance, John the Baptist sees Jesus coming. And he points to him and he said, There he is. There is the Lamb of God who can take away the sin of the world. There's the one I've been preparing hearts to receive as I've preached these sermons of repentance. There's the one who can truly forgive us. And John remembers baptizing Jesus. This passage happens after he baptizes Jesus Christ, the Savior. And he says, this man coming, out, coming toward us is the Son of God, the one who can forgive sin, the Savior. You know, I can only imagine as John the Baptist stood on that corner in Jerusalem And as Jesus is coming toward them, those followers, those disciples had heard so many words of John the Baptist about his preparation for the Savior to come, and they're mesmerized as they have their eyes on this man walking toward them, because this is the one John had preached for and prepared for for so long. Here he comes toward us. Well, our scripture today picks up. This is one day in the life of John. He says, there's the Lamb of God. Now we're going to pick up today with the next day. Turn with me to John chapter 1 and go to verse 35. So one day, John points out Jesus as the Christ, and there's no record that they actually talked to him that day, that first day that John points his disciples out saying, there's the Lamb of God the Savior of the world. Now we go to the next day and what happens then. John chapter 1, start with verse 35. Listen to these words. Again, the next day after, John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came, and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which... Heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. May God add his blessing to the reading of this portion of his word as we travel through the Gospel of John. So the passage says that John the Baptist is with two of his followers. He pointed out Jesus one day. On this second day now, he is standing with two of these followers, two of his disciples. One is named The other is not named. One is Andrew. Who is the other disciple, the unnamed disciple? I can tell you exactly who it was. It was the writer of this gospel. It was John himself. John, if you notice, whenever he refers to himself in this gospel, it's never by name. It's the disciple whom Jesus loved or the disciple who laid his head on Jesus' chest. And so he's very humble about naming himself in his own gospel. But it is obvious that it's Andrew and John standing with John the Baptist on this particular day. And as Jesus passes by this group of three men, John the Baptist and Andrew and John the Gospel writer, Andrew and John peel away from John the Baptist and begin tracing Jesus' steps. Jesus is walking ahead of them. They're walking behind him, tracing his steps. And all of a sudden, the Lord turns and asks what are you seeking why are you following me basically and Andrew and John call him rabbi teacher master it's a title of honor it's a title of recognition that there's something very special about him and they asked something at first when I read this passage and reread it and prepared for this sermon they asked something that kind of brought up a question mark in my mind they said where do you live where, where are you dwelling? I thought, why would they ask Jesus, where are you living? But after thinking about it, praying about it, I think I understand what they were saying. They were saying to him, we want to have an extended conversation with you, and we can't do it right here on the sidewalk. We want to sit down with you and spend time with you and allow you to speak to us. Can you take us where you live? So we can sit down on your sofa or at your kitchen table and have this conversation can we come to you for that long discussion and Jesus says, you come and you come now it's time for you to be introduced to me and they stayed with him through the day even the time is noted it's called the 10th hour which is four o'clock in the afternoon And listen, these two men, Andrew and John, spend this quality time, now listen to the word, they're getting introduced to Jesus. They're getting to know him in a deeper way. They're taking in his ministry. They're taking in his words. I'm sure they were hanging on every word he spoke. John the Baptist had identified him as the Lamb of God, and so these two men were absolutely awestruck in his presence, and they're hanging on every word that he speaks and I'm sure that every minute that passed was an important minute as they heard the words of the Savior. They spent time with Him. They got to know Him. They got to be introduced to Him. Now, John, the Gospel writer, is very humble about his first visit with Jesus. He doesn't mention himself in what happens to him in this visit with Jesus, but he gives account of Andrew, his teammate his fellow disciple who was with him to meet Jesus. Andrew meets Jesus, and we've learned from Sunday school. I remember Sunday school lessons about this. What's the first thing that Andrew does when he leaves the presence of Jesus? He goes and finds his brother Simon to bring him to the Savior as well, to bring him to the introduction to Jesus as well. Andrew says to Simon, his brother, Simon bar Jonas, Simon son of, whenever you see Bar in the Bible, that's son of, Simon son of Jonas. So he says, Simon, you've got to come, you've got to meet him, you've got to be introduced to him. I've spent time with him. We found the Messiah and we've talked to him one on one. And I want you, my brother, to have the same introduction as I have had. So Andrew leads his brother Simon that same evening. And I imagine it's getting later in the evening, but he brings him to Jesus. And when Jesus sees him, I don't know that there was an introduction of Andrew bringing in Simon saying, Lord, this this is my brother Simon. It doesn't say that. It says when Jesus sees him, he says, you're Simon. Your name is Simon. He knows us through and through. You know, Psalm 139, it teaches us that the Lord God knows a word even before it gets out of the depths onto our tongue. The Lord knows us through and through. He certainly knows our name. He said, you're Simon. I know exactly who you are. But your name is going to become, notice that he speaks in the future tense, your name shall be Cephas. That's the Aramaic word for a stone or a rock. The Greek word for rock is Peter. That will be your new name. That will be your new name. Notice he did not name him Peter that moment. He says your name will be Peter in the future. That's important. Now let me tell you this. This is not the moment that Jesus calls these men as his disciples. He does not call them to follow him in this moment. This is their introduction to him. This comes before his call to them as disciples. Their calling to discipleship comes later. This is an introductory moment. The actual moment that Jesus calls Andrew and Simon as his bona fide disciples is recorded in Matthew's gospel, chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. I'm going to go there. If you'd like to flip with me, you certainly can, but write that reference down. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. This is certainly after this meeting that John is recounting. And here's the call to their discipleship. Matthew four eighteen. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. Now, I don't know about you, but as I process all that I've learned in Scripture over the years, I always thought that was their first meeting. But it wasn't. He called them as disciples after they were introduced to him earlier. John 1 recounts the introduction. Matthew 4 recounts their calling as disciples. Well, what about the the humble man John, the man who writes this gospel? Now, although he's met Jesus, introduced to Jesus in his gospel here, I believe, although he was too humble to write it, I believe that he did exactly the same thing that Andrew did that evening. Andrew, maybe they walked out of the house together, and Andrew said, you know, I'm, I'm going I'm to go get my brother right now. And I have this feeling down deep in my heart that John said, me too. I'm going to go get my brother. His name is James. And I'm going to bring him to Jesus, just as you're going to bring your brother to Jesus. This humble man did not write that, but that's what I believe. And in Matthew 4, after Jesus calls Andrew and Simon, Jesus travels on and finds two more brothers. If you're still in Mark, Matthew chapter 4, look at verses 21 and 22. These are four verses right in a row. And going on from thence, he saw two uh, other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and his John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left the ship, and their father, and followed him. So we have introductions which lead to discipleship. Are you on that page with me? You understand we're picking it up from the viewpoints of John and Matthew, but we see the time frame here. I don't know how much time went between the introduction and the call to discipleship, but they were absolutely two separate events. Now listen, this is important. An introduction to Jesus led to four men who became disciples of Jesus. We have to understand that. An introduction led to a much deeper relationship to come. That's a key principle of the Bible. Every person in the world deserves to be introduced to Jesus. That's why we support missions and missionaries all over the world because everyone in the world deserves to be introduced to to Jesus the Christ, the Savior, the Son of God. I've given a lot of thought with these verses. Every person needs an introduction to Christ. No one can become a disciple until they're first introduced to Jesus. Come to know Him. Come to understand who He is. Come to see Him as the Christ. Give their life to Him in salvation. And then they can become a disciple But an introduction has to come first in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Parents, I'm saying this to the parents who are seated here and grandparents seated here, those of you who are with your children right now, I believe that the main goal of the family unit is to introduce our children to Jesus. Yes, you educate them. Yes, you clothe them. Yes, you feed them. Yes, you house them. But the most important task we have as believers is to introduce our children and our grandchildren to Jesus so they can become closer to Him and get on that track of becoming a disciple for Him. I'm looking at my life now and where I am in this phase of life And I am so grateful for God's leading. But in my heart today, I believe that in the midst of all the tasks and all the duties and all the responsibilities of my life, one of my main responsibilities right now is to to introduce two little boys to Jesus who call me Papa. If there's one thing I want my grandsons to know, I want them to grow up knowing Jesus I want them to love me. I want them to trust me. I want them to have fun with me. But I want them to know that when they get into their life, they can say, I look back at my grandfather and he taught me who Jesus is. That is one of my main goals and responsibilities and joys in life at this point is to introduce my grandsons to Jesus so they can become disciples. Follow him, love him. I long for the day that those two boys look beyond me and see Jesus. That's my goal. That's my plan. That's my ministry. I pray daily for God to use my public words and my actions to introduce people to Jesus. You know, I, I'm like John the Baptist, I can't save anybody. But we are to introduce people to Jesus, to lead them there. I can't save anybody from my own family. I don't have that privilege. Only Jesus can save a person. But I am called to be introducing people like Andrew and John. I want to bring other people, as many as possible, to come to meet Jesus. And then he can save them and he can change their lives and he can call them as a disciple. And believer, that is not just the preacher's task. That task belongs to every single one of us who claims Jesus as Lord and Savior. That is the outlook of our life for our family, for our community, for our church. We are here, and God gives us breath and life every single day that we might go into the world that we can introduce others to Jesus by our speech, by our actions, and He'll open the door for us to actually speak His name and bring someone to Him. By our witness, our words, our faithfulness, He uses us. He uses us, church, to introduce His Son to the world. And believer, I truly know that the Lord will use us if you teach Sunday school. What an opportunity you have to introduce people to Jesus. If you're a mission leader, maybe a choir member, maybe a servant in some leadership role, maybe you're a servant in some committee, in some way, somehow, we are introducing people to Jesus. All of us call to do that. Our purpose in all we do is making Jesus known to the world so that he can forgive them and bring them in as disciples. So today... As we scatter from this place, we have a purpose. We have a reason that we're leaving these doors. We're leaving this place that we might take the introduction of Jesus into the world, that people will know him. Our lives serve as introductions to the one who saved us and who wants to save them as well. You know, when a lost person comes to Jesus, my prayer is that that lost person coming to the Lord would be able to say, you know, Lord, I'm here at the foot of your cross because I've had a relationship with one of your children, one of your believers, one of your own. And when I talked to him or I talked to her, I heard your words. And when I saw the way that he or she conducted their life, I saw your actions. There came a moment when that one spoke the name of Jesus to me and said, you need him. So, Lord, I'm at the foot of your cross asking for you to save me because you're the only one that can do that. But I'm so thankful for that believer that got me here. I pray that our name will be in those sentences when people are standing at the foot of the cross of Jesus, kneeling there asking for forgiveness because we introduced them to him. What a ministry that we have. And that is our purpose for being saved and living every day that we're introducing the world to Christ. Believer, will you rededicate your life to the ministry of introductions? It's what Andrew did. It's what John did. It's what John the Baptist did. Paul... Let's just, we can, we can name names all day from the Word of God, but let's see about our name being in that list too. Will you rededicate your life, believer, to living so that by your words and by your actions that you and I are introducing a world to Jesus? I don't want to be a stumbling block to somebody getting to Jesus. Do you? Let's, let's rededicate our lives to the ministry of introductions. And then Jesus will pick it up and he'll make disciples. That's our goal, brothers and sisters. And today, if you need him, I pray that you've had a sufficient introduction to the love of God. The Son of God, God himself, God himself laying down his life to take our sin away. You know, that, that's so awesome, I, it's almost hard for me to speak, that God himself died that we might be forgiven. That is so overwhelming and so awesome, it's, it's, it's amazing even to say it. But by John's gospel, he said, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, the last sacrifice came to give his life for us. You know, many people know about Jesus I I would venture to say that most people you know, most people we know, know about Jesus. They know where he was born. They know why we celebrate Christmas, though many don't celebrate Christmas because it's Christmas. They know what Easter is about. They know that Jesus did miracles. They know that he's contained in the Bible. They know a lot about him but they've never had a true introduction to him. Today, if you need that introduction, he loves you. He wants you. He knows your name. He knows your life. He knows your heart. He knows all about you. And he died on the cross for you, for you. He did die for the world, but he died for a world full of individuals. And your name was on his heart when he died on that cross to take your sin away. Mine too. too. And when he rose from the grave, your life was on his heart. He rose that you too might have life. It's the greatest privilege I have to introduce you to him. Would you come and say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you did it for me. I come to the foot of your cross. I come to the mouth of the empty tomb and say, I want to be your child. I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven. I want to belong to you. I give my heart to you, Lord, as my Savior. You come. He's waiting for you to come. And you will begin by His grace and by His blessing, not only in forgiveness, but also to be a disciple. What a wonderful introduction that is. If you will come and say yes. Church home, whatever you need, the Lord God meets us here. Let's pray. Our Father, our God, thank you for these moments of worship. I pray, Father, that you will emblazon in our hearts and our minds the truth that we are to be introducing the world to you. Bless us in these moments of rededication and I pray maybe salvation for one person today who comes to you as Savior. Church home, whatever the need, Lord, meet us here. We thank you in Jesus' name.